drink rum, go pet a monkey. You'll have more fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are Irenacast. I'm Jeff. I'm Alan. This is Bonnie. I'm Casey. And this is Rajiv. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we bring to you our perspectives on theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, we are completing our loosely based series on, I don't know what we call it, maybe community, community with self, community with people that have been given to us by the cosmos or God or whatever. DNA. DNA. There you go. That's a, that's, well, I don't know. There's a lot of things we could say in that situation, but uh, our given community, we had a great episode last week where uh, Rajiv and Bonnie talked to their kids and we got a, a real sense of like what kind of a given family looks like when it goes through transition and turmoil and deconstruction and all the stuff that have, has brought us all here to this point. And then finally, today, we're going to be talking about our given community, or not our given community, our chosen community, uh, the people that we've chosen to invest our lives in. And I think this is a particularly appropriate for us because we're all here as a chosen community. And for our segment, we are going to start a new one. Uh, we're calling it, That's Not My Name. That's Not My Name. That's Not My Name. And no, not three times. Does anyone catch that reference, the song? They call me yes. Stacy. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Finally, someone. <laughs> I liked that song. But wait, we're all we all chose to be here. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother episode. That's right. Look, I'm only uh, here because of Bonnie, so I don't know about you guys. <laughs> so stay tuned for that segment. It's gonna be a fun one, I think. And uh yeah, so let's kind of get this conversation started because actually this whole series developed from an idea that Casey threw out to us when we were talking about episode ideas and he talked about this this concept of beloved community. And then Alan really wanted to do family systems and we thought, well, it's important to explore this ourselves as well. So we kind of combined all these things, but uh it really came about as Casey introduced the idea of the beloved community and what that means to him. Uh so Casey, kind of explain what we're talking about when we talk about our chosen community and then and then guide us into the rest of the conversation. Absolutely. So um, this, you know, LGBT people don't hold the market on this, but beloved community is really important in the LGBT community because for so many of us, our families either have rejected us or at one point rejected us. And so finding family outside of uh, your blood family is really important. Do any of you know why uh, San Francisco, New York, San Diego, why all of these Cities are so important um, as like gay gay ghettos. They were port towns. So a lot of times, um, if you were found out to be LGBT, you would be dropped off uh, at the next port of entry. And so uh, you would, because you were dishonorably discharged, you could not go home in shame. And so you would just stay in the city. And so it wasn't just that it was a larger density of people. It was also that it became a safe haven for those people who could not return home. And for anybody that um, wasn't in the military, it became then a place you could run to. You know, there were already a large population of LGBT people. So these gay ghettos began to grow. Then in the um, at the rise of the AIDS epidemic, what we saw happen was there were so many straight people that didn't want to take care of these LGBT or these gay men, really. In fact, there's like, I can't remember her name, but there was one nurse that took care of like an entire wing of gay men who were dying of AIDS because no, no other nurse wanted to take care of them. And it was lesbians who actually were, were walking these men to their death. And so from that came language around, are you family? So a lot of times in the gay community, you will hear people ask, are you family? Again, back to this idea that the family that you create is your actual family. Are you safe? Are you, are you one of us? And so that's a really important thing in the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community is to, to talk about family, to talk about chosen family. And there are lots of ways to talk about chosen family. And we'll talk about other, other experiences that you've all had this morning. But, um, I find that chosen family is so essential. It's so important to who we are as people, especially for those of us who have experienced any sort of rejection, whether that be LGBT or whether that be you leave, uh, you're leaving of fundamentalism because you have to reorient yourself, right? Um, when the people that you relied on that you built a life with, 
turn their back on you, then what? So that's sort of where we're starting this morning. And I would just be interested to hear from some of you um, your own experiences of chosen community. I know for me, what helped me come out was building that that group of people around me that I knew loved me enough that I could have the courage to tell anybody that I was gay and that there was going to be safety there. Like, no matter who rejected me, I knew that I could go home, not necessarily like my family's home, but I had I had home in the hearts of people who loved me um, and who were who would help me lick my wounds, you know? So I'm really interested to hear from each of you, like, where have you experienced chosen community? And and what impact did that make to you in your own life? Well, I, Casey, that's a that's a great framing of this conversation in so many ways, because as I think about it, I'm a straight cis male. So there's parts of what you articulated that I can't quite reach, um, even though I'm close to people, gay men, lesbian women, trans people. Um but I think it, it, connecting it to my own journey, having a pretty large and closely connected family, um, I did have to wander away from them in order to fully be authentic to my own personhood as I began to discover and differentiate and so on and test out things about who I was becoming with my given family. And recognizing there was pushback, like, hmm, we're not so sure that's okay. Um, and me, being the way I'm wired, I guess, just wanted to find out if there were people out there that would accept this developing personhood. So over time, I've connected with and and confided in and been supported by chosen family members. And that's allowed me to to do a lot of evolving and changing and trying things out in order to to be more authentic and and discover my full personhood. I think the beauty of chosen community is that they affirm your personhood as is, right? Right. You don't have to come with any other garbage, right? With any expectation other than to just be yourself. It affirms your personhood without asking you to be anything more than you already are. Yeah, exactly. What comes to my mind when I hear this uh, conversation is just how many how many days in my life I've spent feeling like I couldn't choose community. Like I had to fit into the ones I was given or especially as a minister. I'm sure a lot of you know this. Um, if you're listening and you're a minister, maybe you can relate. But like you're surrounded by people in your orbit that you just have to relate to all the time. And there's not a whole lot of choice whether you can or not. And uh, there's something beautiful about that, having to do community with people that, you know, might be different than you. But I think for like, especially my personality, it's only a relatively new thing to, to be like, no, I want to I surround myself with people that, that I genuinely want to learn from or be with or appreciate. I think for a, a lot of people, or at least for me, you you find friends when you're young, and it's just because you're in the same class and you like the same color, <laughs> and then suddenly you're friends for the rest of your life. Like that's, I have a whole bunch of friends like that, and they're very valuable for for a lot of reasons, right? Like they remind you of where you've been and where you've come from and who you were in your previous lives. Um, but what you're talking about, Casey, finding people who accept you as you are, like. Those friends are great because they can hold your whole story, but choosing people, there is something really cool about that. And I feel like I've been doing more of that in my life as I've gotten older. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would, where I've experienced chosen community, I know I experience it here when I hang out with you all. Like you so are say people. more about that. What does that feel like for you? It, uh, it feels really good. <laughs> like... Yeah, uh, a mixture of friendship and respect and working on something together with someone. I feel really grateful. I was talking with a friend a couple years ago. We were talking about friends and I had been through a lot. And so I was in a space where I lost a lot. And now I'm like reflecting back and realizing I have spaces I can go to that I feel like really seen by people, you know, like totally seen and held and, uh, I don't know. It's uh, 
I keep saying I don't know because it is honestly like a, a more of a new thing for me. Have you heard of the concept of third spaces? Like a third space being not home, not work, but this like other area you go to where it's loosely structured and there are people who show up and you can kind of come and go as you as you please. That kind of stuff feels like really helpful f- for me in finding people to do chosen community with. And maybe it's just being in the same like city like you're talking about, Casey, the LGBTQ community and the history of why these towns like developed and stuff, but just the opportunity to connect to other people. And the sad thing is, I feel like we're losing a lot of spaces like that as a as a culture. I think chosen community like I hear I, I love, Alan, how you are able to hold space where you're like, I don't know. I'm I'm still wondering about this. I'm figuring mm-hmm. this out. I think that's such a great model for our, everybody. Um, but I think, you know, we talked about chosen community, beloved community, chosen family. I think each one of those terms represents a different layer of community. And those spaces that you're talking about, Alan, those third spaces, they require cultivation. They don't magically yeah, happen. Totally. And right. so they require, I mean, though we can move in and out, we are co-creators of the space to begin with. So I think chosen family, it's more than just a place where you're seen. It's a place where you also see others. And it's a place where sometimes you get frustrated and angry at the other people in that chosen community. It's a place, it's very much like a family. The only difference is you picked those people to be family with. And um, and I, I think about Jesus I've been very theologically minded lately. And I think about Jesus when he said, you know, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And also when he talks about who are my mother and my brothers, all these people. So Lisa Miller, she studies spiritual development and she talks about how how much we need to grow in a field of love. And I think that some of us experience that in our families of origin and if we are lucky enough to experience in our family of origin, then we know that we can extend that field of, of love broader and broader and broader. Some of us don't experience it, maybe to the degree that we need in our families of origin. And so we need to seek it in other places, because if we don't, we, we shrivel up and we die. So I see chosen community as, as lifeblood. There's an inverse to that, right? Yeah. Like if you're allowed to choose people, then you're allowed to not choose people. And I think mm-hmm. for me, that's where the rub comes creating spaces where I'm like, no, I'm not going to hang out with those people. I don't have to like that goes counter. That's counterintuitive for my personality and for, but I think that the, it goes back to what we were saying last time um, in our episode about uh, family is that there are some people in your life where you have to not choose them. You purposefully have to say, I have to step away from this because it is unsafe. It's the same idea with church. There are people who are listening to us who are, who still believe that their, their, their only option is to show up on, on Sunday in a, in, in a church that tells them that they have to look, be, and behave in a certain way. Um, which is counter to who they truly are, counter to, to what's going on within the deepest parts of them. And I think the invitation from me to them or to any of us is to say, you don't have to show up any place that you are not welcome and valued and seen for all of who you are. Like, you don't have to show up there. There's so few spaces like that. I just want to, like, vent that frustration. I think for for everyone, like, I can imagine people listening, even for myself, there are very few spaces even outside of religious context. This is not a Christian problem, although it is one. It's also a wider problem for all of us. Like, where can you show up to really be seen for who you are? You have to first know who you really are and what you want to have seen. And you have to be, and you have to be willing to cultivate, right? As Bonnie was saying, like this is a part of co-creating. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- have any of you seen Pose? By the way, Pose is a show on FX. It is um, about trans women of color who are going through the early '90s. Basically, they're called balls. It's fashion shows for trans women and trans trans men, um, and they have created what they call houses. They're families. And basically, the mother of the family is responsible for her children. And so typically, they have a big apartment and and all of these other trans women and young gay men, they all live together and basically work together to create the house. And then on Friday nights, they pose. They do their runway looks. 
it's a beautiful, beautiful show. And what's so funny is some of my friends, when we're watching it, are like, oh my God, Casey, you're a mother. You hold a house, you know? It's so funny, but it's in some ways it's so true. We do Christmas, we do Thanksgiving. I mean, we do all of this, and I do it for about 20 gay men in my home. Jose and I do it together. But that's all work. It's all cultivation. It's not a chosen community isn't isn't like a an apathetic thing, right? I mean, no, no love is apathetic. Jeff, we haven't heard from you. Yeah. Um a lot's going through my head through my head right now. First, I want to just acknowledge, especially Casey and Ra- Rajiv, uh, sharing in the beginning is that my I think it's important for me to say that my experience in chosen community has never come from a place of rejection from something that's central to who I am. I see that some people's drive towards community is out of necessity and out of a rejection for something that is, you know, central to your identity, whether it's race or gender or sexuality or whatever. And that I, I have not experienced that, but I hear it and I will never, never claim to understand it because I can't, but I can just accept it and, and hold it as best I can. Um, and so you then, think it's important for you as a straight white cis man who is not, coming out of the sense of, of loss or, or, or being pushed out to create chosen community. Is it still important for you to do that? I think it's still important, but I think that it's, I think it's important for me to acknowledge that because I think, especially when we have a platform like this, it's easy for the things that we say to get universalized to everyone else. And someone can say, Oh, well, Jeff said this, and then they can create a formula from it. I mean, it's, it's the basis of our entire, like, Christian culture, right? You have something to say, you have a story, you create a book, it becomes a formula for someone else. And then it doesn't fit someone else's life and they feel left out. Like, I think that's the notion because most of these books and formulas are coming from men that look like me. And at least in the space that we're all coming from, from, from fundamentalism or evangelicalism, or even, even in progressive Christianity, if I may say so myself. Uh, So I think it's important for us to always acknowledge that when it comes to like chosen community is that the reasons that we choose our community are different and that have different weight to them. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that distinction, Jeff. It's so interesting, this, this drive to be in community. So I, I got to go to high school with a really diverse group of people. And one of the groups of people that was willing to really just take me in was other black students or black students. And one of the things they did was they created these families. They were like, you're a brother. Like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm in. This is really fun. And this is the aunt. This is So there was this play family, quote unquote, play family. And as I learned more from them and hearing their stories and learning about their families is the sad truth is this goes back to the days of slavery when f- biological families were torn apart. And so wherever people landed, um, they would create these family systems as a way to survive and and have one another's backs, have a guaranteed place to belong. And I mean, it's 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 a heartbreaking truth, but it's also powerful um, how that pull to be together. And and one of the things that's really unique about this family that continues there's one sister in particular that that I'm in contact with pretty regularly um, is eh, we don't really agree. Like she if if I were to meet her today, she may not be chosen family, but we made a decision to do life together at an early stage of development and have kept that commitment. And there are other sisters and brothers that I'm in it with, too, um, not to the same degree, but this whole to be in relationship regardless is essential, I, I think, to just our own actual survival. And I'm not just talking about actualization, but living and breathing survival. Yeah. Without it, yes. I, I think we die. I mean, we've seen it in babies, right? It's been studied. Hearing like all of you talk and knowing each of you, Casey, you said that you function, your friends told you you function like a, a mother, right? Is yeah. that what they said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you bring people to your house. But it's not just you. It's your household. It's your family, like you and Jose and bring people around. Um, Bonnie and and Rajiv, 
both of you bring people into your orbit and you like you smash the worlds of family and chosen people together. And Jeff, you do the same thing. Like I've I saw you all throughout youth ministry and like I've known you since I was 19 and you you and Kat bring people into your like home, into your household and people have like found a chosen community there with your family. And then I think back to when I was a kid, my mom got called mom by all the kids in the neighborhood. Like they would just come over and they would say, Hey mom, Hey mom. And just the, the whole concept of you having a space like that is powerful to me. That's what the gospel is. And that's what I've heard you all say before is that beloved community is what the point is, right? Is that you have a space to come in. And so blending between chosen and between giving community is probably the coolest thing I've seen. And I've seen it in all of your lives. And so I just want to recognize, like, if somebody has the power to offer a space like that, to offer their home, to offer their family structure as like, not even a surrogate, like a real connecting point for people to join into community. There's nothing better than that in my mind. Well, I think that going back to before we get too far, when when Bonnie introduced the idea of cultivation, I think that that's key. And I think that second to that is consent, right? So any any of that kind of community needs to be based around something that's cultivated for people to thrive on their own consent, right? Because Maybe not second, maybe first. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't even say second. I would say that it's intertwined, that that's what you're yeah. cultivating, is you're cultivating consent. You're cultivating a group consent. You're cultivating individual consent, not just like in terms of choices and, uh, you know, personal autonomy, but in terms of most people that are are especially if people are coming out of rejection from another community or another family, it's easy to cultivate an atmosphere that's manipulative. It's easy to cultivate an atmosphere that has a, an agenda with the the promise of community and acceptance, but really what you're cultivating is a community that robs people of their consent. It robs people of their identity and individuality. And I think that that's the tough balance is that how do you truly create a community where it's like, you are welcome just as you are, because people will say that, but then there's the dot, dot, dot so that you can become one thing I'm realizing now is one of the things that made community cultivation easy for me was that I always started from a place of power. Because I was in ministry, I was leadership, I was brought into a community introduced as an authority, and then I, I, I had a head start just just by that fact alone, just by the fact that when I came to a church, I was introduced on a Sunday morning, and I had that authority, and I took it very seriously because I remember when I was a student – And having a youth pastor every single year of my junior high through high school, every single year we had a new one. So my community, my authority wasn't in that pastor. And I remember what it felt like to feel like with every new youth pastor, that little little flicker of hope that I might be on the in crowd and then soon it being dissipated into realizing, no, I'm not. So I found my own group of people, uh, my own chosen community that I have lifelong memories and fondness for and still talk to to this day and shaped who I would become as someone when I got into that place of authority, I probably overreacted and, you know, rejected the popular kids. In fact, I was told specifically by leadership, you attract the wrong kind of kid. Um, so I'm learning now for the first time in my adult life, not being, not being introduced into a new setting as a person with authority, but as a, as a rookie, now that I'm no longer in church ministry, how difficult and vulnerable, uh, I'm reminded of all the things that made things when I was in junior high and high school, like so unbearable some days and just being like, man, I, I'm almost, you know, I'm in my thirties. I shouldn't be feeling like I'm in (laughs) my early teens again, but there's, there's a lot there. And I think that, uh, and just little things that I'm learning, that idea of cultivation is that most people do not think about how you cultivate an atmosphere that lets people from the beginning feel like they're a part of it. It's easy to make people that have been part of that community feel welcome and a part of everything, but to cultivate an atmosphere where you can balance that and also create open doors for people who are new and not familiar with those kind of things. And I think part of it is just being aware. Like most people don't look around and and ask themselves, oh, well, how, how how do we not just introduce this person and then leave it at that? But how do we bring them into the fold and do that stuff? So I think that it's, it's hard work. It's cultivation. It's been like you were saying, Alan, it's been the center of my ministry career is how do I create a place 
where people feel that regardless of their background. And it's hard. It's hard. I think it's more than ministry, though. That's why I said homes. It's like all of you have created spaces that are just larger than your family, but your family is included in that. Right. But and I'm saying if it consent. wasn't for, for me personally, if it wasn't for the privilege of being introduced as a person of authority, I don't know if I ever would have learned that. I don't know if I would have had the, the courage well, you and the well, confidence you to do to. that. Exactly. I wouldn't have had to. I could have just relied on and stayed home and done whatever. Like it's, it's. But I think about like my mom and dad, they didn't have a place of authority in any community like that at all. And then like the people who didn't have a place just eventually showed up, right? Like showed up at our door, came across from the neighbor's yard, across the backyard. And I feel like anchor points like that in communities save lives, right? Like they save. Amen. They save our lives. Yep. I think it's really interesting to think about power in relationship to this idea of chosen, like who chooses whom, you know, Jeff, you really made me think about my role as a teacher. When I was a classroom teacher, I was the person in the position of power, but I didn't choose who sat in my class in my class. And so I was needing to cultivate community with those students that were chosen for me put into my classroom. And having that right balance of power is so important when we talk about chosen community. Because if this really is about co-creating, that it means that the power is distributed among the choosers and the chosen. And I think that's challenging. And awareness of that is essential. And it, it comes back to that idea of attraction. You know, did you our- choose your fr- did, yeah, did you choose your friends? Like if you really deeply think about it, or did they choose you? Or was there something Bigger than those two things. Right. Right. And the chil- the the youth that show up for youth group, are they, you know, if, if they don't feel welcome and honored and seen, they're not going to show up again. Right. So they choose the youth leader as much as probably more than anything else. And that should be humbling and awe-inspiring for all of us. And that we should feel that weight. Like right now, we're sitting in our bedrooms or, you know, living rooms or offices right now on a microphone and people are choosing to listen to the five of us just spew off our thoughts on the world. And I think I think we all maybe don't verbalize that, but we all feel the weight of that in a good way as we come up to this, you know, these microphones and we we put this this these episodes out like that is, uh, you know. That is us trying to cultivate some sort of community, you know, because because it's hard to like, how do you how do you even define community? Does it have to be in person? Are we really like Alan, you mentioned way in the beginning of this conversation that we're losing a lot of that. But are we really maybe it's just taking different forms? Because I think then there's that that pendulum swing is you've created this great community. Then how do you prevent from being so isolated as a community that you're not inviting people in? Like I made the mistake of signing up for next door. The app in my area. <laughs> Don't do that. And my, I was just about to talk about that before this conversation. I read an email and I was like, I'm done. My God, I'm leaving. I, next I really door believe forever. that I can't do it anymore. I understand that the, it feels like the majority of the people that I live around would rather build a wall around our town than you know have yes. to deal with anything new or changing. And I'm just like, I got an email that said, okay, people without homes are setting traps around their tents or something, and I was like. Who the hell are you? <laughs> Why are you saying this to the whole community? I know they're like, tre- like you know, it, uh, someone, you know, posted there's this big long rant about like some kids doorbell ditching. Like, my God, like that was my favorite pastime <laughs> when I was a kid. What are you going to set traps for teenagers? Like they were literally talking about like setting traps like they're freaking squirrels or something. Like what the hell is happening? And I think that that's an important thing because I think that once a community gets too good, then there's that danger, right? It's not like an arrival thing. It's a that's not a good community. <laughs> no, it's so not. You're, and you're saying that we're not having, we're not losing spaces. Like all of that, like no, I we're think we're, we're, we're not spaces. losing spaces. We're holding on to spaces too no, tightly. We're losing spaces to be who we really are. That that was the comment I originally made. Like all of this online stuff we're creating, everything, it's all like avatars of ourselves. It's not who we really are. Yeah, but you don't and think like, it's all motivated by a desire to find out who you really it are? It totally is. It totally is to to satisfy a desire to be truly seen, but it's ironic and a double-edged sword and kind of sad that it produces the opposite I thing. I think it's a perfect opposite. example of what happens when you, those things are created without cultivation. Right. Well, I, I think one of the things that desire for togetherness uh, will cause us sometimes to compromise ourselves in order to be 
in companionship. Right. So as a four, one of the things that threw me when I first learned about the Enneagram was um, it said, well, you're the artsy type, right? So you you should play the piano which or some instrument, which I don't. You should, uh, I sing hardly, um, and I'm, and I can't paint for shit, you know? The one thing that I learned is my craft or my art is creating community, building intimate, close, vulnerable relationships. That's, that's my art. And so, Jeff, when you're talking about us being on the podcast together, that's what makes me show up here. Because I do believe in the power of what we're doing in terms of building and creating community. There are people who are listening who they may live in a place where there is no place for them to feel valued, supported, heard as they transition away from a community that says you have to look, act, and be a certain way. We're, we're the lifeline. And so for me, it, this is what is so important about the work that we share together, both as co-hosts, but also as listeners. Like we are building a community through our social networks so that none of us have to travel the road alone. I, I, I think I understand where you're coming from, Casey, but something you said about we're a lifeline that in, initially gave me a little bit of a, huh? Um, it gave me pause and how I see ourselves. In, in this landscape is people that are willing to be authentic, vulnerable, share our journeys, share thoughts in the hopes that it will connect with people. And in, in the folks that are listening, um, you know, obviously if you listen more than once, you're finding some value, but I, I would hope that we're part of a patchwork of things that are coming together to help support and lift people up versus being the one thing maybe that, that is is offering support. I don't know if that even makes sense. You know, I think about our podcast, other podcasts. Um, there's so many podcasts right now and people can listen to podcasts and they can, I think sometimes we don't know who we are until we see ourselves reflected in somebody else. And maybe in that way, the lifelong, the lifeline metaphor works because we we discover who we are as people when we are in in community really and when we see some when we hear somebody say something or we see somebody do something that reflects something deep inside of us that we haven't been able to bring to life because of the community that we're surrounded by we can say yeah that's me too like i i i can connect with that that is something in me that i would like to be brought forth and seen in community. And um, I think that, you know, uh, you don't really know the community that you want to choose until you see that reflected somewhere, somehow. And then you begin to begin this cultivation process, inner cultivation, letting the the real you, the, the, the you that might be hidden because of the community that you're surrounded by come out and then connect with others that you choose. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's sort of a rambling way of saying something that I find to be kind of complicated, but it, it is complicated and something that you are in danger of compromising yourself. Like Raj said, or people have brought up at any step in the, any point in the process. And since we're talking about the meta thing and we've gone to talk about podcasts from just, you know, chosen community to our chosen community and maybe listeners, there's a real sense for me that um, the second, a community becomes about itself. There's like this shift that happens and I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in groups. I've seen it in teams. I don't even know like everything. I think it was CS Lewis who said the moment goodness knows itself, some of it is lost. The moment that like you, you're like, wow, what we have is awesome and it needs to be protected. Somehow it like, it loses the biting edge of what it really is. And so I don't know. I, uh, I think chosen community is not um I think it's 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 just a really powerful thing and it 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 widens naturally. I don't know if any of that made sense. <laughs> I just Yeah, what's uh, what's kind of beautiful to me right now is that we're all stumbling over this in in that it, it's such an immense thing. It's so deeply powerful and it's it's very personal. The five of us and our our uh, other circles have overlapped in really intense and beautiful ways. But it's 
It's to talk about it, to talk about this thing, this chosen community or communities, this life-giving organism uh, is difficult. And it, you, we're, we're not even sure how to describe it, and we're uncomfortable with it and so on. I just, I just wanted to acknowledge the beauty in that discomfort and, and in the, just the, the flat-out not knowing. When it when it comes down to it, you know, we're, we're drawn. Do we choose it? Does it choose us? How does this work? Uh, like, how? Why do these people even listen? Why do these people love me? And why do they stick with me even when I'm not in a good mood? People need a place, and and we're one of those places. I think. I hope. This got really meta. <laughs> I gotta speak as the as one of the millennials. Well, how, well, how can it not? I mean. Yeah, yeah. How could it not? How right? could it I'm not? Because your faces. because That's I mean, true. this whole conversation of us talking about uh, a chosen community, what what brings us to those chosen communities is our understanding or lack thereof of ourself and our family dynamics, right? Like those are all the things when we when we are in chosen community, those are the two things that are inevitably going to come up, and those are the two things that influence whether someone has a cycle of entering into unhealthy chosen communities or healthy ones, and. I think that the the progression of this you know arc of this conversation over the last three or four episodes is is reflection of that, and I don't think any of us you know enter into that lightly. Uh, and we've all, I mean, even if someone's sitting here and, and they're listening to the arc of the whole 143 episode conversation from the beginning of Irenicast, these are all things that have been leading up into something for all of us, right? Because because we're not. We're not – the goal is not to create community, right? Because once once you get to the say, like, I've created the community to reach that goal, then you stop cultivating and then it all becomes whatever. The goal is just to be and recognizing that we're going to be with ourselves. We're going to be in family situations. We're going to be in, in situations with people. So how do we be? And then then how do we make the decision to create an atmosphere around ourselves to let other people be? And that's – that's where it all kind of falls apart, right? Because that's the part where it's like, oh, but that's not me. So how can I? Yeah. And that's that was the my answer is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The answer is the no, Holy I'm Spirit. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I know you're going to laugh, but I actually think. Oh, so. oh you're being serious. Okay. Like, I'm being 100% serious. Like there's there's this passage in the New Testament I was thinking about recently where um, I think it's Peter in Acts is like, well, yeah, all these people that I didn't expect and didn't want to be a part of the community, God did something with them. And who the hell am I? to oppose God. And I feel like that's, that's a part of the, the, the good news of life on this planet is that God does choose us. I mean, it's giving God too much credit. And I'm like, who, who am I, who am I to step in inside and say, no, that that's, that's not true. Or, and I think that especially with like Christian circles, widening that idea is so necessary to realize that God's not done choosing people. You know, I'm not going to say God's not dead. I know it was really close. Like, that's terrible. See, when (laughs) you say that, Alan, what I think of, what I'm brought back to is that that's a reason not to cultivate because God will take care of it. Right. And I think that that, people use that language to do exactly that. Oh, God will take care of it. That's that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's not our job. But but I know that's not what you think. I guess for me, I guess for me, maybe it's like I so feel connected to the whole thing of whatever God is doing. So I feel like. If God is, I don't know. I how can you get away from the fact that like you've been, you're a part of all of creation. That after the Big Bang, like you are a part of God's universe. And so when God is doing stuff, like you're all connected to all of it. You know, like it's not there's not this separation between. But that's the thing is that my separation in there is that you're a part of it. Period. Then the sentence, the next sentence is what God is doing. To me, that's the disconnect, right? Is like, we're a part of it, period. Leave it at that. And then, mm-hmm. or God created the atmosphere, but then this that whole idea of God is doing something. Again, this is my Pentecostal background triggering and coming up. But when God is doing something, totally. if you start to do something, you might get in God's way and then break the whole thing. And that's But I think that's still important, though, because I do believe God is choosing people choosing to love people and we actively get in the way sometimes no i we think god people, chose and that's it and then we act sorry Raj, you keep no, going to the okay. mic and it, it's <laughs> a continual thing for me is, it's an it. active continual thing it's not an atomistic god one time did this god created the universe and stepped away there's this constant positive flow and like if you don't step into that and if you don't recognize it or honor it 
you you run the risk of like hurting other people and of disincluding them. Oh, that language. So is all so... of those things that like Pentecostal triggers, I think they still apply. This is also pro Hellenistic. <laughs> You know, where God is doing stuff. I mean, which is a I, that's framework also, that a, that's also Hebrew. It's not just Hellenistic. That, it's also that, DC talk. He's ancient, doing a new thing. D, DC talk, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, to me, God doing stuff just doesn't even make sense. But we're this isn't an, a I, theology episode. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe God's creating chosen community. Yes, but then like, you said stop. if you don't enter into that, then you're in trouble, and that's, that's where right. I have the problem. That, that's no, you run the risk where of I, running, that's where... <laughs> running counter to the the divine flow. Does that make sense? Can you run counter? <laughs> no, Casey, go ahead. You were going to say something. We're like, get, this is what community is right here. We're going to fight this out right <laughs> now. Right. This is getting messy. <laughs> well, yeah, when you hurt people, you're not you're not participating in that. Does that make sense? When you yeah. kill someone, when you hurt someone, when you disinclude them for like terrible reasons. That to me is not particip- participating in and f- acting in step with what the divine is doing. Yes, God will use all of that. God is like, I believe for me that God will use all of that, but I can't say that that is actively participating in what the divine wants. You're getting people. the willies when you say like God will use all that. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just yeah. me, but Casey, you were going to say something. You were going to say something. I want to offer my time over to Bonnie. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking about the word community, and I think that may be part of where our problem is, that within that word, we have unity, like oneness, sort of embedded in the language itself. And what we're talking about is something very dynamic and permeable. And so, you know, chosen community as not having a, a like a wall around it chosen communities not having walls around them but actually being like permeable membranes where there's coming and going and there's there's change just like in this community right here the five of us the way that we are we will leave this conversation not the same people as when we came into the conversation which means that if each of us changes the, the community itself changes as well because there's a space between us and then there's each of us as entities. So I think, I think that part of the conversation has to include dynamism as community as well. With God too? Uh-oh. Well, we can bring God into it. <laughs> we were just a little talking about all that. But I mean, but God, of course, I am okay with God changing on a right. regular basis. Right. So, but, yes. but there's God is... And God does, and and to me, I don't think God does. I Which think is also Greek, God by the is. way. I have to point that out. You you threw down the, the gauntlet, so I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, there is a very long Greek tradition of sure. deism that God does not act in the world. There's no, 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 no. I'm I'm not saying God. The 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 impact isn't isn't there, but the the, right, the but language itself denotes a a sentient human like consciousness that has unlimited power that's choosing to do things or not do things. And that to me just doesn't make sense. I think maybe right. this is Choice calling for a fourth part, God in community. And <laughs> maybe hey, we hey, forgot hey. that part. God Alan just got super excited yeah, about go. that. So maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to laugh my ass off if nobody listens to it. But we can try. <laughs> Casey, I feel like this whole rant was started from me interrupting you. So <laughs> can you, can you bring us back to some sort of uh, semblance of uh, oneness? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if there's ever going back from this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I do want to. I, I, what I can go back to is Alan talking about. Um, there are a lack of spaces. There are lack of spaces where this this um, ability to to form beloved community happens, and I know that I experience that even in places like the Castro. Or, you know, um, in Sacramento, that the world becoming supposedly more accepting of LGBT people, there are less spaces for, for LGBT people to actually be. Does that make sense? So even like, um, in 2008, I remember being in gay bars and feeling so upset because we couldn't get married, right? They, they gave it to us and they took it away again. And women coming in with their soon to be married stuff, you know, tiaras and all of that. And the anger that I felt around, like, why would you bring this into my space and remind me of something that, that is not mine? And 
over time, it's just LGBT bars, gay bars, really, have become sort of like another space for straight people to come and hang out. They're safer, supposedly, and they're more fun. They always say that. Oh, gay bars are so much more fun. Um, But then what that means is when you are standing at the bar and you smile at someone, you may get a dirty look. I'm here with my girlfriend, bro, or whatever. So this is my own tangent about inclusion and trying to navigate spaces that are safe. So when Alan says, yes, I feel like there are less spaces, I think it's a model of scarcity. If we are to be in the world, um, we have to go back to this co-creation idea. We could say that there are not a lot of spaces, or we could say, where are the spaces that, that we need to reclaim and to offer is safe? Does that mean in your local gay bar? Does that mean forming a community that you meet on Friday nights for dinner together? Does that mean even in your own worship spaces? Finding a way to, to return again with a way that says, uh, we don't have to. We don't have to do what we used to do. We don't have to be who we used to be. We have the power to change. We're always changing, and that grief matters. Your grief matters. Um, as you, for, uh, I know for so many people, the grief of having to walk away from families or individuals or communities um, that once were essential to who they were. They no longer can be present. And so acknowledging that grief and the pain of, of leaving, but also not living in a place of scarcity, acknowledging that there is an abundance of love in the world and you just haven't found it yet, or maybe you have, or maybe you're the one invited into holding the space. Love is all around you. Yeah, if you don't share it, it doesn't complete its circuit. I do believe hospitality is not just like hospitality in the sense of creating beloved community is not just participation in the divine, whatever that is. I believe it is co-creating with God. It's participation in divine working. And, and maybe the divine, the divine or love doesn't organize us into one, but organizes us into many, many. Mm. and that we can into be a in relationship. Body. That's cool with one another in our many through our many communities and how beautiful is that yeah so there's you know there's sharing about learnings that come as a result of a mature process of of seeking and then you share stuff and then there's talking out of your ass right and going back to this idea of community like when i think of truth if I'm going to use that word, I think of it as a revealing, right? It's something that's already there and it's slowly revealed, but people individually can't be at a same place. That's if it's too much is revealed, then it's, it's damaging. So it it puts a, it, it puts like a caution on the word truth or whatever is that people are at different places. And that's the balance of community is how do you not impose your revelation on someone else because they're either may not ready or that's not the, especially if we believe this, this truth or God or substance or presence or force is infinite, then no one's ever going to get to the end of it anyway. So people need to find their own pieces of revelation based on who they are. And that's that's how I view it when I think of that. And that when we universalize it too much, then, I mean, we all know what happens then. Yeah, I'm comfortable universalizing it and saying that God is actively creating community for people. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm okay saying that. All right. That. So any other final thoughts before we <laughs> just record another episode right here and right now? Uh, we'll do it some other time. Just on the record, I disagree with Alan. <laughs> wow, Second. we disagree on something crazy. All right. Any final thoughts on the community and chosen community or whatever we decide to title this? This, um, as much rambling and tangent talking that we did, uh, it was really beautiful. And I'm really grateful for this beloved community that I get to share with each of you. Thank you. I think maybe for my final thought is what I love about this community, which I think is what community is about is I can say stuff that doesn't make sense 
I can disagree with you, and I have zero concern that you are not going to be my friend or judge me behind my back. Like, we're going to see each other and love each other um, just the same. And that's that's beautiful. And worth it. Totally. Totally. I'm just marveling at belovedness and this idea of beloved community as something that transcends. I'll just say ditto to what all y'all said. Um, I think this is, this is important. And not only that, but honestly, like not to be, you know, pandering or meta any further, but uh, for those of you that are listening, for those of you that have sent us emails, uh, for those of you that have commented on stuff, for those of you that have shared your, your journey and all this, cause I know there's a lot to choose from in this, this niche, for those of you that are listening, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of you, you're listening to the liturgist, you know, you're listening to all these different things out there and this is just great. Uh, and that you listen to us is, um, just humbling, you know? So we're starting a Patreon and no, I'm just joking. <laughs> that was not, that was not a way to get oh, money no. out of anyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's like 50 Game of Thrones podcasts that people can listen to. I, I couldn't resist. That was almost as bad as God does stuff. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was, I was moving into the, the TBN speech, you know, we'll send you a cloth and if you give us money. Don't tell me my theology is as bad as televangelism. <laughs> well, that's another episode. So, now. um, for the... <laughs> Just joking. All right. Just more nuance. Maybe you'll get there someday. Uh, so yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll grow into it. <laughs> right. At, at the end of every conversation, I say this, add your voice to this particular conversation by commenting in the show notes at irenacast.com slash 143. And yes, it's something that pro- many of you maybe press that 30 second button and go past it because you're aware of it and all that kind of stuff. But it's something that we genuinely believe. Uh, and we put these show notes out there because we want these conversations to go forward. And we, we hope that you continue to listen. So really do add your voice to this particular conversation at the show notes at irenacast.com slash 143. And there you'll see all the links and everything and the ways to engage us further, to like, to follow the show and us individually. That's irenacast.com slash 143. So speaking of identity and who we are on the other side of the music, we are introducing a brand new segment. That's not my name. That's not my name. That's not my name. <laughs> They call me Stacy. <laughs> I love that. All right, so this is a new segment, and we're going to have to see how it goes. It's called That's Not My Name. and uh, But before we get into it, this is kind of not strictly motivated. We just thought it would be fun. But uh, you may have noticed at the top of the show... Uh, the artist formerly known as Raj introduced himself with his full name. And I think that he, uh, we want to just take some time and, and give some space for uh, Rajiv to explain why that is, because it's important. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. And I appreciate the the willingness, uh, you know, even though through this episode, because it's kind of new for you guys, you've only known me as Raj. But Rajiv is my name. Um, I went by it for most of my life. And then as my circles in adulthood began to expand beyond people that I knew for years, um, I ran into kind of this awkward exchange. I'm like, how do you say that exactly? And, you know, it was awkward. It was uncomfortable. And so to save, like to save that dynamic, that repeated dynamic, I just started going by Raj. I was just like, let's just make it easy for people. Um, and then recently, I'm like, well, why am I making my name easy for people? I mean, it's my name and uh, wanting to just reclaim that and go by it um, and and actually be comfortable with, OK, you know, it might make take me a minute to learn your name as well. Um, but let's work through that. Let's let's do that together and, and see where it goes. So, yeah, Rajiv is my name. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate, uh, you all being willing to, to get practiced at it and, and say, and you all say it beautifully, by the way. So that part's really cool. Aw, shucks. So we're going to jump to the other extreme, honoring someone's name and, uh, then making fun of stereotypical names. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like we do. So, so how we think this game is going to work, uh, we've, we've gone to, a name generator. 
And each of us are going to answer a series of questions, and we're going to reveal what our name in this particular category or genre is. So we've picked Pretentious Folk Singer Name Generator, um, which this should be interesting. So how this works is it asks us a series of questions, and then based on our answers, it develops for us a folk singer name. So any of us that have had dreams of becoming a folk singer, here's your name. This is it. Uh, and many of you may not know, but one of my favorite artists, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, actually got Childish Gambino the name from a Wu-Tang Clan name generator when he put in oh. Donald Glover. And that's how Childish Gambino came to be. So um, these name generators can be fun and in some place, some cases launch very successful careers. Uh, so huh, that's cool. Let's see how this goes. Uh, okay. So who wants to go first? Who wants to... Who wants to go through the, the process first? Let, let me do it first, since the name, you know, kind of this name deal is a deal for me today. Okay. So, Rajiv, what generation are you part of? The greatest generation, born before 1946, the baby boomer generation between 46 and 64, Generation X, 65 to 84, Millennial, 82 to 2004, and Generation Alpha. What the heck? Is that what it's called I, now? Is yeah, it, are, I guess so. I alpha. thought it was Generation Y or Z. I never heard Alpha before. Gen Z. That can't Gen be right. Z. Why is it Alpha? That's pretentious. <laughs> so I, I'm Xer, baby. Xer. Xer all the way. Yeah. Also known as the greatest generation. That's right. I 100% agreed with that one. What do you currently do in life? A, good question. I'm still trying to figure that out. B, I work in an office. C, I do not work in an office. <laughs> D, full-time student and rocking it or... I'm a traveler. I, actually, for the first time in my life, I do not work in an office. All right. What is your deepest desire? A, inner and outer peace. B, a compassionate world. C, personal growth. D, finding true love. Or E, understanding other people. Hmm. I'd say a compassionate world. Because you already found your true love. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Long time ago. Before she even knew it, there was that period of get away from me, weirdo. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame her. Chosen community. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Next question. What would you say is your strongest quality? A, I'm a bit of a bright spark. Intelligence. C, I'm always helping out. Kindness. That was B, by the way. <laughs> I don't know my alphabet. Uh, C, my life is cr a crazy explosion of shapes and colors. Creativity. This is turning into Enneagram test. Uh, yeah. D, I'm a survivor. Strength. Or E, I know what I am. Confidence. You know, I'm a little conflicted because I like to think I'm a bright spark here and, here and there. Um, but the intelligence part, I don't know. I mean, that might, I don't know. That might fit the best, though. So I'll, I'll go with that one. A. A. You're a bit of a bright spark. That's nice. That's special. That's self-imposed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is appropriate. What role do you play in your friendships? A. I like to make my friends laugh. B. They always come to me for advice. C. I tend to be a peacemaker between friends. D. I offer support where I can. Or E. I am usually the one to help them fix things. See, I like to make my friends laugh, but I don't know that I'm always successful at it, so I, I don't want to claim that. Anyway, uh, I would say I offer support where I can. I think I can reliably say that one. These are all deep questions to lead to some silly name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a lot and of questions. What is your credit card number? <laughs> all right. How often – oh, this is personal. How often do you work out? <laughs> work out. Are you serious right now? A. B. Every day, if I'm walking through the shops counting as a work, if oh my gosh, if walking through the shops counts as a workout, uh, C, getting out of bed is enough of a workout for me. D, the people at the gym know me by name, or E, fitness is life. Gosh, it it tends to be. I mean, I don't talk to anybody at the gym, but I do more often than not go to the gym regularly. So, but I'm not a fitness is life kind of person. So I'd say the people at the gym when they know you by name. Oh, wow. Look at you getting your flex on. All right. Next question. Why did you take this test? <laughs> I don't think I'm on a podcast is on the list. A, it looked like fun. B, I was bored. C, my friends encouraged me to do so. Or, yeah, that would be the one. Or D, all of above. Or E, none of the above. <laughs> my friends. Okay. 
All right. Your friends encouraged you to do so. Okay. Next question. What do you dream about when you sleep? This is really getting personal. All right, Raj. You get a, I often dream that I'm drowning. Oh, uh, <laughs> thankfully, no. Uh, B, fighting or running away from war. Wow. Nope. Uh, these are, I don't think I've ever had either of those dreams. Uh, C, I dream. I know people who have the running away from war thing like every night. It's really? Wow. Weird. Well, that's not me. That's not a whole I, I know a friend thing. I don't have that dream. <laughs> Uh, C, I dream that I'm flying. D, I often dream of animals. Or E, people and relationships. Man, that's, you know, if you asked me this while I was still in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, it would be flying. Because I, I learned that recurring dreams about flight are trying to get away from a toxic relationship. Interesting. And then, like, after I left the church, I haven't had those dreams. Um, so I, I guess it would be people and relationships. I'm going to be a good folk singer. Dude. <laughs> if you were an animal, what would you be? Ooh. A, a dog or a wolf. B, a tiger, lion, or jaguar. C, a gazelle, horse, or giraffe. D, owl, falcon, or eagle. Or E, a dolphin. Uh, owl, falcon, or eagle. All right. Owl, falcon, or evil. Evil. <laughs> eagle. Evil. That, that, that comes naturally. Uh, all right. Here we go. Joseph Darlington is your name. Uh, and Joseph is spelled J-O-S-E-F. Right. So you're a pretentious folk singer that is beyond spelling. Um, Joseph Darlington. <laughs> I like Darlington. I like this that. is a really Darlington. disappointing quiz. <laughs> That's like a lot of work to get to nothing. <laughs> I got Joseph Horchester. You oh, got see, Joseph now there you also. go. Did you get Joseph Horchester with uh, uh, J-O-S-E-F? J-O-S-E-F. That's right. Oh. I got a uh, big Al veil. It's actually re- I hate being called big Al. It is oh. one of my very few oh. like triggers. And this test did it. Oh my goodness. Carrie Ann Darrington. That's my name. Oh, Darrington. Hey, it, it, it picked up the, yeah. well, maybe just cause you typed in the same last name. Is that like, a, I wonder how these things work. I don't think a lot of thought was put into the rum and monkey test, personally. <laughs> oh man, that was that was uh, really disappointing. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what to think about this. Like, first of all, I don't think that they're clever enough or understand. I was thinking like we'd get like a moonbeam, like firefly yeah, kind of like. Do you think that a computer AI created this? I don't think I don't think anyone. I think they just have two last names apparently because that's or three last names maybe four, and a a couple Joseph. Like I don't get. Is that a joke? Like does anyone understand folk music enough to know? Like I I was thinking like maybe Poppy Seed Paulson. Yeah, or like you know, Bluegrass Billy, or uh, yeah, (laughs) you know something. It's really disappointing. So maybe we should have done the Wu Tang name generator. Yeah, I doubt it would be any better. No, the, 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 that one's super easy. You just put your name in and it gives you one, and it's actually way better. Like mine is Thunderous Mercenary. Like Thunderous that's cool. Merc- See, that is good. We, yeah, how are we not doing that right now? Oh, I am the Midnight Commander. Okay. Oh, yes. dang. I am so the much Smiling better. Ambassador. Smiling Ambassador? Yeah. It says, Rajiv Rambob, from this day forward, you will be also known as Smilin' Ambassador. I like it. Scratchin' Samurai. Ooh. <laughs> I hey, like that. good. Scratchin' Samurai. Well, we've redeemed the segment, I, I think. I feel wait, like it's been redeemed. I, I'm going to click mine. Oh. All right. But if it says Big okay. Al one more time, I'm <laughs> done. I'm, I'm leaving, leaving segments altogether forever. Here we go. I'm Pesty Killer. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> Pesty Killer. Yeah. I like it. I, I would nice. say segment officially redeemed. That'll that'll do it for us this week. Uh, I think I this may be a segment that does not make its triumphant return in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> So let it be. Amen. So let it be. But that but we are a community willing to experiment and that's right. That's right. And God. see what happens. And fail. And, and fail, fail miserably gloriously. in front of the masses. 
so but uh, I think everyone should do their Wu-Tang name, though. I'd love to hear from our listeners what they come up with. Yes. That's so good. comment oh, cool. on if you're our, our, primarily our conversations happening on Facebook, but wherever is easiest for you, comment on this. We want to hear what your name is. There will be a link in the show notes to the Wu-Tang generator. And we'll put the no link to the other one if you want to. <laughs> no, no, dude. No. Spare, I, I spare think we should people. offer it. There might be some like those are. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in there. It's gonna be in the show notes. You can choose not to do Dr- it, but we really want to hear you Wu Tang one. Drink rum, go pet a monkey. You'll have more fun. And if if I just want to <laughs> see if we get like an overwhelming amount of Josephs and you know Darlingtons and Vales and stuff like I, it. Yeah, the it's cold open should not be Raj saying go pet a monkey. Just gonna <laughs> I, throw think that there. I think it I should. I think drink rum and go no pet a monkey. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. All right. That'll do it for us this week. Maybe forever. We don't know. <laughs> uh, Alan, how can people find what you have going on on the interwebs? Facebook, Rev Alan O'Brien. Add me as a friend. And thank you to everyone who has. Uh, there's been quite a few people lately. And I love chatting with you on Facebook and getting to know you. And yep. So add me there. Um, I actually have a new Facebook page, um, Rev Bonnie Rambob. And love for you to check me out there. Message me if you'd like to be in touch. You can find me on Facebook at Rev uh, Casey Tenen. You can find me on Twitter as the Queerly Faithful Pastor, or also on Instagram as the Queerly Faithful Pastor. You, my handles haven't changed. Facebook and Twitter at Rev Raj Rambop. And you can follow me on all the socials at Jeff Manildi. That's no Rev. And listen to the second and fourth Thursday of every month to my other podcast, Divine Cinema. As for Irenicast, don't forget to subscribe for free to the show and never miss an episode. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. And while you're there, if your platform allows it, leave us a rating and or review. We're always looking for more and more ways to hear from you. You can also fill out our listener survey at arenacast.com slash survey. Uh, the information you give us is super helpful as we move forward and continue to evolve the show. That's irenacast.com slash survey so for this week i am the thunderous mercenary aka jeff this is pesty killer <laughs> this is scratch and samurai <laughs> i love that this is midnight commander and this is the smiling ambassador <laughs> thanks for joining our weird ass conversation <laughs> Should we press stop?